So we're talking about marriage, marriage and the marriage playbook. And you know, the marriage playbook is really the Bible. It's the Bible, uh, reading what God said and, and what God inspired men to write about husbands and wives and children and home life and what's expected of us. Today we're going to talk about uh, parenting a little bit, and how, to, how to prevent parenting issues from hurting your marriage. So, so important. Um, you all know what I've been through in my life personally uh, with my uh, youngest son. And uh, there was probably not anything that put more stress on mine and Millie's marriage more than the struggles we had in parenting Mitch. Um, and I know a lot of you go through some things with uh, your older children who have chosen paths that you would not have chosen for them. So we're just going to kind of talk about that a little bit today. I was reading some quotes on parenting. Um, uh, I know it's going to surprise you, but they were really funny. I'm going to use the funny ones. Uh, Lane Olinghouse said, the quickest way for a parent to get a child's attention is to just sit down and look comfortable. And the women said, and the men too. How many of y'all remember Irma Bombeck? Remember her? The grass is always green over the septic tank. That was one of her <laughs> books, I think. Irma Bombeck said, when my kids became wild and unruly, I use a nice, safe playpen, and when they're finished, I climb out. Susan Savannah said, if your kids are living, or if your kids are giving you a headache, follow the directions on the aspirin bottle, especially the part that says keep away from children. Make sure you do that. And then the guys will get this one, and you can punch your visitor that you brought today and said it's only going to get worse. Just say that after I tell this joke. Red Buttons, how many of y'all remember Red Buttons? That's old school comedian right there. He said, never raise your hand to a child because it leaves your groin totally unprotected. <laughs> yep, he said that, he did. Let's look in the Word of God today in the book of Psalms, chapter 130, I'm sorry, 127, verses three through five. And uh, we're not going to read all of that, but the key verse in that is children are a gift from the Lord. Now, those of you who are struggling right now with your children, say it this way. Children are a gift from the Lord. <laughs> you can say it that way. That's fine. Let's all say it together. Children are a gift from the Lord. And sometimes, you know, you might want to just get in your car and... As you're going home today, just keep saying it. Just keep saying it and asking God to help you believe it, all right? Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from Him. All parenting couples have experienced this situation at some time in their marriage. One spouse thinks the children ought to be led. They ought to be taught. They ought to be disciplined they ought to be influenced in one way, and the other spouse thinks that they should be led, taught, disciplined, and influenced in a totally different way. Sometimes they become uncompromising in their positions, and that's when the fighting starts in the home. At some point in marriage, 
where there are children, all couples are going to argue about the best way to rear the children. So if you're sitting out there in the audience this morning and you're struggling with this, don't feel like the Lone Ranger. All of us as parents have struggled with, I think they should be parented this way and the spouse thinks they should be parented a different way. You and your spouse are different people. You are from different family backgrounds and beliefs. Uh, you have experienced different parenting models. So naturally, there's going to be tension about the best way to parent the children. Quite often, these conflicts between the husband and wife arise uh, when they arise, rather than focusing uh, on teaching your child how to behave and how to problem solve, the focus instead becomes about the parents and the conflict that they're having. So we're going to pause here and just talk about the difference between parents who have different beliefs and parents who have different communication styles versus parents not being able to agree on what not being able to agree on what decisions to make regarding your children. Since we're not the same people, since we were brought up different, came from different models and belief systems, we will, have, we will each have our own style of relating to the kids. For instance, maybe you are very talkative, you're very expressive, you've got a very outward personality, you express yourself um, a lot, uh, you express yourself openly. When you have a thought, you express it. But maybe you're married to somebody whose personality is totally different and they're very quiet and reserved in their personality. Here's the fact about that. One style of communicating is not better than the other. Both styles are okay and both can work. Here's what's harmful. Here's where the marriage gets tested. What's harmful to the marriage is when the parents have strong differences in deciding, coming to a, a consensus on the best way to parent the child or the children in the family. Let's say that you um, have a child and that child begins to lie. They begin to tell lies. And you feel very, very strongly about that, but your spouse is like, well, it's just a phase. It's not a big deal. And all of a sudden, because of that, we have a conflict. And when you have a conflict, children sense it, especially when you're having a conflict about them and about how you're going to raise them and how you're going to deal with issues like the lying thing that I just brought up. They're watching you and they can feel that lack of unity between the two of you, which creates in the child a feeling of instability. Um, this will also give kids an opening. How many of you know kids are really, really smart? And it will give them an opening when they see you arguing about how they should be disciplined or how they should be parented. They will sometimes use it to provoke a fight between the two of you and get themselves off the hook because then the conflict is not about them and you, it is about the two of you. And while you're arguing, they slip off and go play video games or watch TV or do whatever until you guys get... Uh, the situation straightened out. Since disagreements between parents have the potential to cause a serious all-out war in your household, we're going to look today at about four 
guidelines, just some things that may help you avoid some of the battles when it comes to parenting. And this first one's really, really important. Number one, discuss parenting strategies before there's a problem, before you have a parenting issue. Discuss how you're going to handle things before the heat is on so that you can present a united front to the child. Look in Proverbs 24 and 27. It says, prepare your work outside, get everything ready for yourself in the field, and after that, build your house. Now, this verse is just simply about don't wait till there is a problem to try to fix a problem. Go ahead and think about what you're going to do before the problem arises. You know, one of the things around here in North Carolina that we know all about is tornadoes and hurricanes. And before you have a parenting tornado in your house or a parenting hurricane in your house, prepare. I've learned to prepare. I, I have uh, one of the ways I prepare for tornadoes and hurricanes is I have a list of people who have uh, generators that I can call and keep my freezer going. Now, you'd probably go on your list to get a generator, not the pastor. He has a list of people he can borrow one from. But anyway, moving along, when you intentionally plan, listen, this is important. When you intentionally plan, there are some young parents sitting here today, and there are also some couples in our church who are engaged, who are about to be married. And I got to tell you something. I just got to tell you, I wish... I so wish that before Brandon and Mitch had been born, somebody would have sit down and told me the things I'm going to say to you today. I really, really do. I, I got to tell you, we talked about in the other messages how there's almost back in my day and, and before my day and even some years after my day of getting married, um, there just wasn't any premarital counseling out there, very little, uh, very little training on parenting. There was never... Um, you know, the old school pastors and the old school preachers preach very little about parenting and the home and all of that. Uh, today, thank God, um, the messages are more relevant uh, to our everyday lives. That is not to say anything negative about our forefathers. You know, they dug the well that we drink the water from. So I honor them. But I am thankful today that we're addressing some topics in the church that as a child I had a lot of questions about, but nobody ever talked about it. And then when I became a child, or when I became a parent, um, I, I just wish so much that I had known things uh, that I didn't know. And I messed up a lot as a parent. I messed up a lot. And I don't blame anybody for that. There's nobody to blame for that. It's not my parents' fault. It's not anybody's fault. But it was, it's just amazing how we just kind of miss that and uh, helping people be better parents. And we want to help you be better in your marriage. We want to help you be better parents. So we're going to preach on it. We're going to teach on it. Scott and Sherry are going to be here next week, and they're going to be preaching and teaching on marriage uh, next week, something fresh uh, that I haven't talked about. So I want you to be here next weekend and hear that message. We want to help you with that. We want to talk about that. And it might be that you say, well, I, I love what I'm getting in here, but it's not enough. I really need to talk to somebody. Then that's why we have a full-time person on our staff that is all about marriage in the family. And I don't know many churches that have a full-time person in that position, but we do have that here at the bridge. And so do not mind calling and saying, we need some help over here. And I promise you, we will get you 
uh, the help you need. We'll either be that help for you or we'll get that help for you. But when you intentionally plan and create a specific time to calmly communicate, instead of waiting for the hurricane, waiting for the tornado, waiting for the conflict, waiting for the argument, waiting for the... And then the child has done something, and now you and the parent, you and the spouse, the mate, you're trying to get together on what we do about this. Try to have that already decided. Try to have that already laid out. When this happens, we're going to react this way. When something happens that we don't expect to happen, here's how we're going to handle that. Here's how we're going to communicate that. And we're not going to... We're not going to um, uh, respond off the cuff. We're going to have a plan to know how to respond because you want to your child when there's a conflict going on, you want to communicate to them in a calm way as you're gathering information, but you also want to listen and not only to the child and the conflict in the home because of what the child has done or not done, but you want to react to each other in the marriage calmly. You want to communicate to each other calmly because when you start talking to each other about the situation and the child's right there, he or she's drinking that in, watching how you're doing that. So decide ahead of time how you're going to talk to each other. Decide ahead of time. You, you might be that person in the marriage that's very dominant. Your personality is very dominant and your spouse is quieter. And it's not always the guy that's dominant and the wife that's quieter. Sometimes it's the man that is very low key and the woman is more dominant and more outgoing. And that person can take over a situation before they know it. I have to be very careful about that and had to be very careful about that when we were bringing our boys up. And, uh, and so know that about yourself and have that plan. Um, one of the things that you have a tendency to do is you just take the situation over and you're not listening to anybody else. You're not listening to their input. How many of y'all have ever done that and you were just going off and you were just letting it be known and you were laying down the law and then when all the facts came out, they were nothing like what you had just expressed yourself about. And that's embarrassing and that takes away from your authority as a, as a leader of the home. So uh, decide we're going to calmly communicate. We're going to listen to each other. So if I'll listen to my sweetheart about disciplining or dealing with an issue with the child parenting, and she'll listen to me, um, then we're going to have a better chance of receiving what each other says. Most couples wait until they're in the middle of a conflict to discuss parenting strategies and philosophies. There are two ways to think about something, not just your way. Uh, when you are respectful of your mate's thoughts and ideas, uh, you'll have a much better chance of getting your mate to listen to your thoughts and ideas. And, and I got to tell you, I've had, um, I've had especially women come to me many times and say, Pastor, uh, he treats me like I'm an idiot. He treats me like my opinion doesn't matter. He, he just dominates. And so guys, come on now. Let's uh, be willing to listen. I got to tell you something, man. And y'all know this already. I've been your pastor in about 25 years. And let's just, y'all know Millie's way smarter than me. She's way smart. I'm not kidding you. Look, when we were in college, she was like um, one of the top students in her class. And I graduated the way some of y'all going to make it to heaven. I just got out. I just didn't, I just didn't make it. I mean, the girl's smart, she's wise, she, she has insight. 
Guys, how many of you know, come on guys, that the women see things we don't see? I'm telling you, I'm telling you, and you would do yourselves well to listen and value their thoughts, value their opinions, and, uh, and, and listen to them. Let me just give you a, a, a real important uh, key here. Um, let, let me just say this. If, you're, if you don't listen like I was just talking about, if you're not going to listen, then what you do, if you dominate, then that person that you're trying to get them to buy into your thoughts and ideas, they put a wall up. And they're like, you know what? If you're not going to hear me, then I'm not going to hear you. And then, boy, we got a stalemate. We got a kid that still needs help because of a conflict. So, parents, we got to do it. We got to get together before the problem. Um, another thing is you want to keep your spouse's, um, or you want to know your spouse's family history. Uh, maybe you're having difficulty understanding your mate's perspective on child rearing. Uh, because you don't know very much about how they were brought up. You don't know very much about how they were raised. So talk to your spouse about how they were brought up. How, how were you raised? What, what did your parents feel about discipline? Try to get a handle on how deeply their current parenting beliefs are rooted in the models they've seen and experienced. Having this information is going to help you to see things more objectively and not take things so personally. And you're going to be able to say, she said that because of how she was brought up. He said that because of how he was brought up. It's not personal toward me. It's just what their background is. Knowing a person's background is really, really important. You'll be, you'll be able to respond with less, less judgment to them. This is really important. Try to help your mate see that what seemed to work back then may not be what works right now. Or that what worked in his family or her family back at that time might be different than what will work right now in your family. Uh, parenting can be very scary, and the people said. And this can cause parents who have the best of intentions. When you get scared, and I gotta tell you something, man. Um, first time I knew Mitch was doing things out of bounds, uh, it scared me because I never dreamed I would ever have a child that would do any of those things. And when I found out he was doing some of those things, it scared the daylights out of me. And when you're scared, you know how you react when you're scared? You, it, you get angry. You get angry, you get upset, you get mad. And, and so what, what we do a lot of times when, we have a, when we're in a parenting situation, and our child does something and it's, and it's something we never thought they would do or we never thought they would struggle with or we never thought that would ever be an issue. I mean, even when they're little, they do things you have no idea, you know, and it kind of, it scares you. I remember one time we were in, how many of you know the family shoe store on the corner of John and Walnut? I worked there during high school. Anyway, um, I remember when our boys were born, we went into that shoe store one day to buy some shoes and Brandon had never bit, never bit another child. And he walked up to a child, and we were like, hey, you know, they were, hey, young family with a child, you're young family with a child. And Brandon just went, I, I think I'm going to just take that jaw out right there. <laughs> and he went right up to this kid and got him right there. And I mean, he got him good. And me and Millie, I looked at her and went, I don't know who he is. I don't, that's your, that's your child. 
That's been going on evidently, and I didn't know anything about it. So I just backed up, and I said, right there she is, y'all. Go. We honestly, we didn't have any idea what to do. We didn't know what in the world to do. And that, those parents are standing. You, so our kids, even when they're little, do things totally out of character. and We didn't expect it, but they also do it when they're older. And uh, we have to understand that what we have a tendency to do when we get scared, this is a really important principle. When we get scared as a parent is we revert back to what we're familiar with. We revert back to what we saw modeled. And see, if God has taught you a better way to parent, and then the enemy comes along and tempts, and, and your child falls into temptation, they do so. If you're not careful, if you haven't really pre-planned and you haven't really decided how you're going to handle things, you will revert back to old ways of handling things. That's a great principle right there. What did Peter do? When Peter was under pressure because he had forsaken Jesus, what did he do? He reverted right back to his old life and his old habits. He cursed and he said, I don't know Jesus. And, and that's what we do when we get scared, okay? So that's really, really important. So number one, uh, discuss parenting strategies before problems arise. Number two, um, don't lose control in front of your children. Don't lose control, period. But especially don't lose control in front of your children. Solomon the wise man said in Ecclesiastes 7 and 9, don't be quick to get angry uh, because anger is typical of fools. Um, Ephesians 6 and 4, it's not going to come up on the screen, but you know that verse that says, provoke not your children to wrath. I've got a whole separate sermon on what that means, but don't provoke your children to wrath. Be aware that when you lose control in front of your children, especially when the argument is about how to parent them, they can use, uh, that can cause major problems for you. It can be very disturbing to your kids. It affects them in a deeper way than you realize. It's important to understand that when you argue with your mate over parenting, the focus shifts away from the child. Well, listen to this. And rather than teaching your child, you know, when a child messes up, you have an opportunity right there to teach them two things. You, teach, you are teaching them how to behave in a, in a conflict, and you're teaching them how to solve a problem. So uh, if you uh, begin to argue with one another, that focus shifts away from helping them understand how to solve a problem, how to behave, and the focus becomes uh, on you and uh, each other as parents. So when parents fight, when parents fight about parenting, the kid's off the hook, and they know it. So they will use it. They will use it. Sometimes kids will use the fact that uh, you're not on the same page to manipulate you. They might try to even set you up to fight with each other uh, to get themselves off the hook. Let's say your husband is very strict about uh, your son uh, doing schoolwork or your daughter doing their schoolwork, but you feel like he's putting too much pressure on them. Well, when that happens, you don't, you don't handle that in front of the child. When kids learn that this topic's going to cause an argument between the two of you and they won't get disciplined and they won't be held accountable, then what they'll do is they'll learn how to provoke that argument between you and your mate 
And while you argue again, they go off and do whatever it is they were doing. In addition, the added tension caused by fighting will probably cause your child to act out even more. The child's behavior won't change if you are more focused on each other as parents than you are on holding that kid accountable for their behavior. Does that make sense? So, so um, you know, I look, back on, um, I look back on my time with my boys when they were little, and I just messed up so many times in this area. So when you feel like you're about to lose it, when you feel like you're about to, you know, start asking questions like, are you crazy, you know, and you just feel yourself going there where it's really easy to verbalize and easy to just let it flow out like a river, you've got to know when to take a time out. And, when, and look, especially if you're mad at your spouse for the way they're reacting to the conflict. If you're mad at your spouse for the way they're reacting, ladies, if you're mad at him for the way he's thinking about this and verbalizing about this situation, maybe you take it a lot more seriously than he does, or maybe you're not taking it as seriously as he does. Instead of losing it in front of the children, you got to know when to take a time out and focus on a plan. You gotta have that plan first, but you gotta go back to that plan. You might need to say, I need to take a break. I just need to take a break. Go outside, walk around, you know, and just take a break uh, or just do something else for a little while. Go, you know, I'm going to go. I was mowing the grass when all this came up. I'm going to go back out there and finish mowing the grass. But let's all stay here at the house. Don't anybody go anywhere. I'm going to go mow the grass. Y'all do something different. And then let's come back and talk about this. And you'll feel different about it. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever really, have you ever just found out something and you just really, really wanted to react right then? And it would, it would have felt good for like 10 seconds. And then you would have wished you hadn't done it. How many have done that? I've done that. How many of you have ever said this? How many of you ever said, you know what? I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to discipline myself. I want to do something. I want to do something. I want to say something. Um, and then, and then the next morning, you didn't do anything. And then the next morning, you were like, I feel totally different. I feel totally different now than I did when that thing happened. That's what this does. When you're, when you're able to just go outside and look, guys, you know, some of you don't have a lot of energy. Get real mad and then just say, I got to wash the car. And the car gets clean and it's washed and you've spent some of that energy. That's why exercise is so important. That's why walking and, and doing things is so important because it, it's an outlet for you. So learn to take a time out. Um, I'm battling a cold, so you guys bear with me. The next thing you've got to ask for is you've got to ask God to help you listen. Everybody say, Lord Jesus, help me to listen more than I talk. Have you all noticed that you have two ears? And one whose mama ever said that to me? Who, anybody ever have a school teacher say that to you? That is what, you know, back in school, they believed in God when I was back in school because they'd go, God gave you two ears. And I was like, well, praise the Lord. They believe in God. <laughs> James 1.19, look what it says. Remember this, my dear brothers and sisters. So what is, when he says, my dear brothers and sisters, who's he talking to? Christians. Yeah, believers. Remember this, my dear brothers and sisters, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak. You know why this is in the Bible? Because it's true. 
It's also in the Bible because it's best. Quick to listen, slow to speak, and should, <laughs> and should not get angry easily. Uh, it helps couples to give each other a few minutes just to talk about why a certain issue is important. Everyone has their own wishes. They have their own yearnings. They have their own traditions, their own visions of the future. We got our own perspective. So look, let, let me just tell you something. Let, listen to this right here. Now, this is not going to just help you with parenting. This is going to help you with your marriage. When you're in a conflict about parenting a child or you're in a conflict about anything, we have a tendency to believe that whoever dominates the conversation is the winner. Not true. Not true. You need to say something like this. And you, as a Christian, you ought to have enough Holy Spirit control in your life that you're able to go time out, man. Hold, hold it, hold it. This is going in the wrong direction. We're beginning to say things that we don't really mean. And so you say something like this. Hey, listen, let's, let's each spend a few minutes talking about this. Now, sweetheart, here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to listen to you, and I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to sit right here. I'm going to look you in the eye, and I want you to just express yourself, and all I'm going to do is just listen. I'm not going to say a word. I'm not going to interrupt you. I want to hear this because it seems to be really important to you. I notice that you don't usually hold on to things this strongly, so I know for you to hold on to this so strong, you really feel strong about it, so I'm just going to quit talking. Instead of us trying to win that, I'm just not going to talk, and I want, you to, I want you to just tell me exactly how you feel about this situation and why you feel that way. And just don't say anything and let them do it. And then when they get finished, you can't be rolling your eyes going, Pfft. I mean, I didn't say nothing. Yes, you did. How many of you know body language is loud? Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> See, that ain't it, man. You're looking at them, you're taking it in, you're listening, you're considering their position. Then they will they will more than likely feel an obligation to say, okay, now you tell me what, how you feel. As a parenting team, if we can spend a few minutes just hearing the other person without our anxiety getting stirred up and without trying to talk our mate into our way of doing things by defending or blaming, and instead just hear them, hear where they're coming from, maybe we can find some common ground. You can say while they're talking, I hear you, I hear you. I, 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 didn't, I wasn't thinking about that. I understand you and I understand why this is so important to you. What, what does that mean when you say that? What does that mean? I value, I value. I had a lady come to me in a church I pastored years ago she came to me and she and her husband were building a new home and he wouldn't let her make any decisions about the new home they were building. Not even the kitchen. I mean, it's kind of like I want to get in the flesh if I'd be her and go, I'll tell you what, make that kitchen like you want it because you're going to be the one in there cooking. <laughs> so guys, we've got to be really, really careful. There, there, are, there are things that, that you need to go, you know what, I don't know much about this. I don't know very much about this. I'm going to let her, she needs to make that decision. And Millie will ask me sometimes, you know, what are you, blah, blah, blah. And I'll say, well, you know, here's this, but I, then I'll go, but baby, I don't, 
I don't live in that world. I don't, I don't know anything about that. Whatever decision you make, I will, I will um, support you in that decision because I really don't know enough about that to, to really, I mean, I'll give you my thoughts, but, but really you need to make this decision. But there are some guys, and I'm not just picking on the guys, gals too, guys and gals who just, they just think they, their opinion's the top shelf of, on all subjects. Can I just say something to you who believe that? It's not. It's not. You've got you to gotta listen to the other person, okay? Very, very important. Number three, number three, you've got to stand behind your spouse. Now, we're talking about parenting. You've got to stand with your spouse. You've got to stand with them. Um, Proverbs 17, 17, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. Um, you got to stand there with your mate in that parenting situation. Make a rule. Make a rule in your house. Make a rule. We're, talk we're going back now to the first point that I gave you, that pre-planning. Make a rule that if one parent disciplines the kids, the other parent must back them up, even if they don't really agree with the view that your mate has publicly in front of the child, you present a united front. You go, well, I've got an exception to that. I'm going I'm to talk about an exception in just a minute. But generally, generally, because this exception is very, very few, very low percentage that I'm going to bring up in just a minute, but I am going to bring it up. So generally, you just stand there and go, you know, when we get to talk about this later, I'm going to tell him or I'm going to tell her I think, I think you were too lenient or I think you were too strong or, and here's why I think that, okay? Really, really important. If you do this, it'll show your child that his parents are a unified team and uh, this will um, uh, not undermine your authority. If you, if you don't present a unified team, it will undermine your authority. Your child will learn that he can get around any parenting decision you make by pitting you against one another. Even if you don't fully uh, agree with your spouse, uh, back one another up in that moment. Now, here's the exception. The exception in backing your spouse up when you're parenting does not apply if a parent is neglecting or abusing a child. You, you do not back that up. You do not back that up. You don't allow that to happen. If you believe your spouse is uh, doing, uh, that what your spouse is doing, how your spouse is handling the situation is detrimental to your children in some physical way, in some emotional way, then you need to put your foot down. And you need to say, I do not go along with this. Um, when you begin to call your child names, um, you know, it's, a, it's really based on what level you're at. If you're calling them stupid, you're a fool, you're an idiot, then, then I think something needs to be said right then in front of the child. But if it's more subtle, if it's more subtle and, uh, and, and uh, uh, let's say the wife is saying to the child or the husband is saying to the child, you don't ever do anything right. That's not as strong as you're an idiot or you're stupid, but it's still very, very strong. And I'm telling you, they are so tender when they're young. They are so tender. Words like that are like a, a brand. 
It brands them, and they go, I am a loser, and they settle deep in their spirit, I'm a loser. I don't do anything right. So on a situation like that, you have immediately got to pull your spouse in another room and say, look, I didn't want to say that in front of, in front of you know, our child, but you, you can't say that. You can't say that to, to him. You can't say you don't do anything right. Say, so, well, how, how am I supposed to say it then? Well, when that question comes, be ready to answer it. Be ready to answer it and tell them, well, here, here's how you could have said it. Does that make sense? So it's really, really important that we stand behind each other, but when one of the parents loses control and begins to damage the child, emotionally. Now, if they begin to damage, here's what I believe about child abuse. Whoever abuses a child ought to be abused themselves. That's my philosophy right there. All right. And look, I'm happy to do it. (laughs) But mental abuse and um, self-esteem abuse and all of that, that's more subtle. That's it's easier to get by with that, but I gotta tell you, that whole thing of sticks and stones may break my bones, words will never hurt you, is not true. Man, I'm telling you, you can brand some stuff in a kid, you can humiliate a kid, and buddy, it will affect the rest of their lives. And so, you know, just pray for wisdom, pray for discernment. If, if, you've got, if you're in a situation where a parent is abusing a child, and you have no question about that, or maybe you do, maybe you, you're like, I'm not sure if that's abuse or not, then, you know, you've got you to sit down with your spouse and say, listen, that feels like abuse to me. It just feels like you're being abusive. Well, I don't think I'm being, well, let's go talk to somebody and ask them. Let's go, let's go sit down with somebody and ask them, is this, let's get somebody on the outside looking at our situation and, and let's talk to somebody. And then if they refuse to do that, then you gotta begin to stand up publicly right in front of the child and go, no, you're not gonna do that. You're not gonna do that. That's abuse and I'm not gonna let you do that right in front of the child. And then you've got issues then and you're, you're gonna definitely need to bring somebody else in on that situation or that marriage is gonna dissolve, okay? If the marriage don't dissolve, then what'll happen is the mate, which usually it's a woman because most of the time it's the man that's a little strong, but not always, not always. It's not always like that. Sometimes the woman is too strong and, and the man has to step in and go, no, no, no. Then you, you've got you to lay some, you gotta lay some uh, boundaries down and go, I'm telling you right now, uh, you're not going to abuse these children. You're not going to abuse these children. If I get one hint again that these children are going to be abused, I'm going to get them and we're going to get out of the house and you need to get some help. Am I making any sense here? Now, I'm not trying to break up any homes here, but I'm telling you something. When you turn on the children, that's about as low as it gets. Amen, amen? All right, number four, number four. You need to ask yourself, do we need a professional? You know, at some point, um, you know, uh, Pastor Scott and Sherry are, are very equipped, highly equipped. But Pastor Scott has seen a couple of situations where he knew we needed to bring in a doctor. We needed to bring in a professional Christian therapist uh, who could help. Uh, Proverbs 12 and 15, look what it says. It says, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens 
to advice. So if you're one of those parents and you think you don't need any help, let me just go ahead and tell you, you do. I, needed, I, was, I was raised by awesome mom and dad, but I needed more parenting teaching before I had my children. I needed advice. I needed more advice. Okay, here's some other scriptures on advice and getting advice. I'm not going to read all those to you. But, you know, there just comes a time when you say, you know, we've, we've done everything we know how to do, and this is just not working. We're, starting, we're, we're not able to get on the same page as parents. Um, the child isn't responding to what we're doing. The problem is continuing. And a good therapist, a good Christian therapist, will help you find ways to talk with each other as parents rather than fight about every parenting issue that comes up. And he will help you talk to your child and help your child to open up. The bottom line is that we all have different ways of communicating, different belief systems, and that's fine. No two people are going to have the same exact opinion and value everything 100% the same. The important thing is to find a way to come together so that your child is not pulled into the middle of your differences and we can get that child understanding what is right and what is wrong because they have awesome parents who are not too proud to say, I don't know what I'm doing. I need some help with that. I need some help with this. That's why, you know, I gotta tell you, um, mothers of preschoolers, mops, we have that here at the church. That's a tremendous help to these ladies, uh, mothers of preschoolers. And then we have uh, Hearts at Home. That's another awesome group that meets at the Goldsboro campus. And you're able to share with your friends and go, you know, I thought this and I didn't know, is that right or wrong? And then a friend may say, oh, I was in that same situation. Let me tell you what we did. It worked out so great. So listen to advice from good, godly people. If you know good parents who have good kids, uh, you know, the Bible talks about the older women in the church mentoring the younger women. It's right there in the scriptures. You find somebody, it doesn't have to be a pastor, we'll help you as much as we can, but you, you might see a couple in the church that you say, man, they got great kids. I, I, I wonder if they let us buy their lunch and let us just talk to them about some of the things we're going through as a young parents. They will, they'll do that. We'll hook you up. You, you, you call the office and say, I, I just would like to get with a, a solid, stable couple because we, we are having some issues and uh, they're not big issues, but I think they could become... And, and we'll hook you up with somebody who can help you. Amen? Amen. See, if the home is right, the church will be right. And if the home is right and the church is right, society will be right. So we've got to work on the home. We got, the home is the foundation of society. So if we can get connected, our home's connected to God and get some skills in people's hands on how to deal with the challenges of marriage and the challenges of parenting. And we can get those homes and those leaders of those homes feeling confident in their walk with God and feeling like they're making some headway and they're making some progress. Then the church is going to be more what it ought to be. And when the church is more what it ought to be, then we have a bigger impact on the world around us who desperately needs Jesus. And the people said, amen. Let's all stand together.